Hello and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Shani Tarragon and today we're going to continue with the next unit in Parshat Mitzorah, dealing with Tarat Habayit. If you recall, in our previous shiur, we spoke about the structure in general of Parshiot, Hasriyah, and Mitzorah, which on one hand form one organic unit of all different types of Tum'ah that stem from the emissions of a person's body. In all of these cases of Tum'ah Yotzei Megufo, we show that the common denominator is mechusarei kapara, the various stages that are necessary in ensuring that the object or the person of tum'ah is going to be rid of his state of tum'ah. Regarding all other forms of tum'ah that were mentioned, for example, in Parshat Shmini, the impure person is no more than a carrier of some form of external tum'ah. But in all the cases, beginning in Parshat Tazriah, the source of the Tumah is internal. Nonetheless, we saw a discrepancy between Parshiyat, Tazriyah, and Mitzorah, in particular the unique status of Tzarat, suggesting that the body of the Mitzorah, which is Tameh, and thereby the person himself defined as Tameh, he's considered like a dead person, and therefore his purification requires a change of identity, a form of rebirth which is accomplished by the ceremony particular to what we find at the beginning of Parshat Mitzorah. We're going to see that juxtaposed to this is the next unit requiring purification of a very similar vein, namely that of Tzarat of a house. So let us begin now with where we left off in chapter 14, verse 33. <laughs> Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aaron, saying, When you come to the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I place the plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession, Uva asher lo habayit, v'yigid la kohen lemor, kenega nirali babayit. Then the owner of the house shall come and tell the kohen, tell the priest, saying, There seems to me to be a plague in the house. V'tiva kohen ufinu et habayit, v'terem yavo ha kohen lerot et and the priest shall command that the owner empty the house before the priest even comes to see what the situation of the plague is, so that everything in the house will not be declared impure, and only afterwards the priest shall go and see the house. And he shall look at the plague, and behold, if the plague is in the walls of the house with hollow streaks, greenish or reddish in color, and the appearance be lower than the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house for seven days. And then the priest shall come again on the seventh day, and he shall look, and behold, if the plague has spread in the walls of the house, then the priest commands that they take out the stones in which the plague has manifested itself and cast them into an impure place outside of the city. And he shall ensure that the house is going to be scraped all about 
and take out the mortar and pour the mortar and scrape it off into an area outside of the city in an impure place. And they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones that were removed. And he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. And if the plague shall come again and break out in the house after the stones have been taken out and after the house has been scraped and after it was plastered, Then the priest comes in and looks and beholds if the plague has spread in the house then he declares it a malignant leprosy in the house. It is impure. And then he breaks down the house, the stones and the timber and all the mortar of the house, and he carries them outside of the city into an impure place. Before we continue... With the various stages then of the purification of a house that has not only contracted sarat, but which apparently is inherently going to be carrying this plague and requires an intense form of purification, let us take a look at some of the basic characteristics of sarat of the house. Tzarat of the house is one of the three types of the forms of tarat mentioned in the parshiot of Tazria and Mitzorah. We've already spoken about sarat hanega, the plagues of the body, and then Tsarat Habeget, the plagues on the clothing, also in Parshat Tazria, and now Tsarat Habayit, a Parshat Mitzorah. Despite the various similarities, both with regards to the color or the manifestations of Tsarat, we find that the plague of the house is in fact unique. Firstly, there is a contextual difference. Tsarat Hanega, Tsarat Habeget both appeared in Parshat Tazria. And Parshat Mitzorah begins with a discussion of the process of ritual purification for a person who's a Mitzorah, and only afterwards does the Torah introduce Tzarat Habayit. In other words, Tzarat Habayit is separated from the other types of Tzarat. Secondly, concerning all the other expressions of Tzarat, we saw the term Adam ki or bisaro, or nega Tzarat ki If there be in the skin of a person's flesh, if there be the plague of Tzarat in a person, if there be a plague in a man or a woman, if there be upon the garment. When it comes to Tzarat of the Bayit, however, the Torah introduces this law in a different terminology. Not if there be, but rather, and I place the plague of Tzarat. Thirdly, it's only in relation to Tzarat Habayit that there is a mention of Eret Yisrael, as we find explicitly in the Pasuk, Ki tavo al eret knan asher ni noten lachem lachuza v'natati nega tzarat v'veit eret achuzatchem. When you come to the land of Canaan, and I place the plague of tzarat upon a house in the land of your possession. Note that with regard to the other forms of tzarat, and even the purification of the mitzorah, the Torah addressed a situation that could clearly be in the desert whether it was the terminology of sending out the mitzorah outside of the machaneh, outside of the encampment, or he dwells outside of his ohel, or before he comes back to the entrance of ohel mo'ed. In the process of the purification of the bayit, however, we read the term of bayit as opposed to an ohel, a tent, or outside of the city instead of outside of the camp. 
implying that Sarat Habayit is unique to a situation of actually coming into the land. Here we find, then, that in contrast to the other types of plagues, this one occurs only in Eretz Yisrael. Perhaps for this reason, Sarat Habayit is treated separately and mentioned separately from Sarat Hanega and Sarat Habeget, from the body and the garments. The Torah begins with a discussion of Sarat, of the body and the garments, relevant even in the Midbar. And only now we're going to hear about Sarat Habayit because it's going to be relevant only in the future when the nation enters the land. Why does Sarat of the Bayit occur only in Eretz Yisrael? If we study the Psukim that we just read, maybe through the description of the purification process, we'll be able to appreciate a little bit more what is unique to this form of Sarat. Chazal, in the Sifra, the Midrash Halacha, teach us, and I place the plague of Tarat upon a house in the lands of your possession. This refers to a house that is made of stones, wood, and earth, which are able to contract ritual impurity. Is it possible that a type of a house that is not made of stones, wood, and earth could contract impurity? It is not. For this reason, it is written, he shall break apart the house with its stone, its wood, and all the earth of the house. So we learn from the description of this that the house cannot be struck with ritual impurity unless it's a house that's built of stones, wood, and earth. So if the plague appears only in a house of stone, then it's clear that this is not going to be relevant to a reality where an Am Yisrael are still residing in tents in the Midbar. Tzarat of the house appears only after Am Yisrael entered the land because there weren't any permanent homes in the desert. According to this opinion, this is a technical difference between Tzarat Habayit and all the other forms of Tzarat, but there isn't necessarily a fundamental connection between the plague and Eretz Yisrael specifically. Which brings us back then to our original question. Why does Sarat Habayit only affect a house of stone, which is in a land and not a tent? And even if the Torah wants to teach us that it only affects homes and not tents, then it could have just said, if there be Sarat Habayit in a bayit, without necessarily mentioning the exposition of coming into Eretz Yisrael. Not only does the Pasuk tell us explicitly when you come into the lands of Canaan, but mentions the aspect of ownership, the land that Hashem gives us as a possession. The style of this introduction leads to almost a build-up to one, you come into the lands of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the plague of leprosy in your house, has the effect of conveying a sense of something positive that's going to happen. Is this in fact a positive phenomenon? The Midrash raises this question and provides a rather surprising answer. And I place the plague of Tzarat, Rav Chia taught, Is it then good news for them that they will be stricken with plagues? Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai taught, When the Canaanites heard that Israel were coming into their country, they arose and hid their wealth inside their walls and in their fields. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I did not promise their forefathers that I would bring their descendants into a land laid waste, but rather to a land full of all kinds of goodness. What then did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He caused sores to appear on a person's house, and when he took it apart, as was necessary, if the plague was confirmed to be Tzarat and then proceeded to spread in the walls, he would find the treasure. Rashi explains based on this, Venatati nega Tzarat, and I shall place a plague of Tzarat. This is good news for them, that the plagues would come upon them. For this way, all the Amorites that had hidden gold coins in the walls of their houses throughout the 40 years that Israel were in the desert 
By means of the plague, the house would be dismantled and they would be found. Rashi, based on the Midrash, understands from the introduction of the Parsha that Sarat Habayit must carry some type of special positive message that's related to the entry into the land. So they explain that the law of the plague upon the house is a positive promise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to ensure that Am Yisrael are going to benefit from the wealth of the land. The plague leads to the house being demolished, and this in turn provides the opportunity to discover the hidden treasure. But wait a second. This is still a plague. It involves ritual impurity. It causes one's house to be taken apart. This is not generally what we would regard as a positive process, especially for Chazal generally teach us that plagues come as a punishment for sin or as a warning concerning a situation that we need to correct. Plagues upon houses should not be an exception to this rule. As a matter of fact, Chazal also explained that Tarat Habayit comes as a result of sin. Rashmul Bar Nachmani said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, plagues come as punishment for seven things, for Lashon Hara, for bloodshed, for a false vow, for sexual immorality, for vulgarity of spirit, for theft, for stinginess. So let us adopt this view for a moment. For which sin is a plague upon the house sent as a punishment? The Midrash provides the following description of a character trait that would need correction. A person says to his neighbor, lend me a cob of wheat. The neighbor replies, I have none. Then a cob of barley, I have none. A woman says to her neighbor, lend me a sifter. She replies, I have none. Lend me a sieve. She replies, I have none. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He brings a plague on the house. And when the man is forced to take out all of his belongings, everyone sees and they say, hmm, didn't he say that he had nothing? Look how much wheat he has, how much barley, how many dates there are here. According to this midrash, Tzarat comes upon a house because of a person's selfishness or miserliness. This isn't necessarily a sin, but certainly a negative trait that should be corrected. From this point of view, Tzarat of the house is not really a punishment, but rather a catalyst for change to enable a person to mend his ways. So now we return to the special introduction of Tzarat Habayit. If the point of the plague is to serve as a signal to the person to mend his ways, then how do we explain the special positive introduction? Rabbanit Sharon Rimon quotes the Kliakar, who regards the introduction to the Parsha not necessarily as good news, but rather as a description of the state and feelings of the person which cause him to be struck with Sarat Abayit. The opening Pasuk describes how Hashem is going to bring us into a good land. A person who understands that Hashem has given him this land as an achuza, as a possession, is conscious of the fact that the land really belongs to Hashem, and he has merely received it as a gift from Hashem. If that's the case, he will never treat his property as belonging only to himself. He knows that he has to share this with others because this is really good that God has granted him. Recognizing that Hashem gave this to us will prevent one from contracting Tarat Habayit. However, if a person sees one's home as belonging only to them, not having been granted this by Hashem, then Hashem is going to strike one with Tarat Habayit. For this is the person's mistake. The property and the house are not his. They are a gift from Hashem. If his sense of ownership of his property expands to the point where he's not prepared to give anything away to others, then Hashem is going to place the plague of Tzarat upon his house and his possession. The plague will come, reminding him that the house is not really his, but rather something granted to him by God. The point of the plague 
is not only so that the person will feel shame before his friends and neighbors, but that it will also cause him to feel that his ownership of the possessions is undermined. That's why the plague that appears on the house is not regular mold. It can't be treated in natural ways. It's a special plague sent by Hashem to remind the person of who the true owner of the house is. Once the person mends his ways, then the house will be healed. This healing process may be relatively short as we read. The objects are removed. It's sealed up for seven days. The specific stones that are affected are removed and new stones are put in their place. Only if the person has not repented, then the plague appears once again, erupts in his house, and then the entire house must be taken apart. Now we may understand why Tarad appears specifically on a house of stone once one enters the land of Israel, and not necessarily on a tent in the Midbar. A tent expresses some level of transiency, some lack of position of ownership, as opposed to a house wherein there's a greater chance of a person feeling that he owns it and forgetting that the house was really given to him by Hashem. So what's really so positive about this? Rashi explains that there will be a hidden treasure. Nonetheless, there's a plague, which is certainly not something positive. Why would Hashem choose to reveal the place of the treasure by means of a plague? But maybe now we can understand this a little more. Finding a treasure is not the end of the process. The person who has forgotten that his home is really owned by Hashem has to learn who the true owner really is. The dismantling of his home is a significant psychological experience. Everything that the person has is broken up. What he thought he possessed is really no longer his. Something that was so secure, over which he felt secure ownership, is taken apart. When he's left with nothing of his own, and he finally senses that everything truly belongs to Hashem, then he may receive additional gifts from Hashem the treasure that's buried and hidden under his house. As we reread the Psukim, now we understand this a little more. Ideally, when you come into the land, you should recognize that it's being given to you by Hashem. That I shall strike you with Tzarat if you see your bayit as belonging to you. Although this may not seem positive, Chazal actually understand that this is certainly preferable to Hashem harming the person. So what does he do? First, he gives him warning, and only afterwards does he strike him. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu will first strike a person's house. If the person repents, wonderful. If not, then he will strike his clothing, as we find mentioned in Parshat Tazriah. If he performs tshuva then, wonderful. If not, then it will come to his body. According to this midrash, the tzarat of the bayit is the initial warning with the aim of avoiding the need to strike the person himself with the plague. According to this understanding, there is something positive. Hashem does not immediately strike the person, but first warns him by placing tzarat upon his bayit. Chazal then asks, if that's the case, then the Torah should begin with this parshia concerning tzarat habayit. However, because Hashem told Am Yisrael about Tzarat while they were still in the desert, when they did not yet have houses, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, because you do not have houses, I'm starting the discussion with your bodies, but once you enter the land, I will start with your houses. In other words, the good news is unique to Eretz Yisrael. Only in Eretz Yisrael does the plague appear upon the house before it strikes the person himself. And therefore, this is good news that is connected only once Am Yisrael entered the land. 
This is certainly a very timely Zionistic message, but we're still left with the question of why it is specifically Eretz Yisrael, wherein Hashem is going to first strike the house, rather than sending the punishment directly to the person's body. Why isn't there a warning to a person in the desert in the form of a plague upon his tent before his body is struck with Tzarat? What is the special connection between Tzarat Abayit and Eretz Yisrael? Ibn Ezra explains on verse 34, the discussion of Tarat Abayit applies exclusively in Eretz Yisrael because of the unique greatness of the lands, for the sanctuary is in their midst, with Hashem's glory within the sanctuary. Eretz Yisrael possesses a unique degree of Kedusha, and therefore it does not tolerate sin. It's for this reason that the land has to expel not only the nations that have been sinful, but any type of spiritual or moral corruption. It does not tolerate spiritual defects. And therefore, Tzarat Habayit is a phenomenon that will appear only in Eretz Yisrael because of the elevated spiritual level of the land. So what's the good news about these plagues? The good news is that the land is of such unique sanctity that even its houses are affected by plagues as a result of a defective spiritual state. A person whose character traits are flawed and corrupted, even if he hasn't really transgressed any explicit isur or prohibition, he receives a message from Hashem to change his ways. Tarat Habayit makes sure that there is a maintenance of a high spiritual level that's needed specifically to survive in Eretz Yisrael. That's why this parshia in particular is presented in a positive manner, so that we can appreciate that there is some good news. I shall place the plague of Tzarat, as opposed to all the other parallel formulations that we found until now, Hashem wants us to recognize that when we come to Eretz Yisrael, we have an added degree of Kedusha, and therefore, there is going to be a means through which we can maintain this relationship of Kedusha with Hashem, and that will be through placing Tzarat upon our homes albeit it may incur some expenses and a lot of bothersome plastering and replastering, but this is what will enable us to internalize the message and thereby not only maintain a spiritual level, but continuously correct ourselves and aspire for a more refined social and personal level of Kedusha, one that may be realized particularly in Eretz Yisrael. In the upcoming shiur, we're going to continue to learn the ensuing psukim that teach us about the process of purification of a home once it is reinfected with tzarat, and we're going to note the parallels between tzarat habayit and the process of purification of tzarat ha'adam.